0: Thirty-six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, we look at Europe's efforts to form a banking union. When European leaders resolved finally to solve the euro crisis, they swore that a banking union would be a crucial part of the solution and that agreement would be in place by the end of this year. Well, not so fast. The latest negotiations have got bogged down. So what's happened and does it pose a threat to financial stability in Europe? Joining me to discuss this are Patrick Jenkin, the FT's banking editor, and Alex Barker, who reports on the subject for the FT from Brussels. Patrick, first things first, what is a banking union and why do people think it's important? Well, you're absolutely right. It is the buzz
1: phrase of the moment. And as you suggested, it was introduced as a quid pro quo, this idea, in exchange really for the bailout of the Spanish banking system. That was the real trigger for the whole idea. The thinking being that if Europe is going to inject £40 of funding into a single country's banking system, it wants to have a central oversight, really, of that system and of all other national systems. So the idea of a banking union, whereby the ECB probably ends up, well, in an ideal world, supervising all 6,000 banks in Europe, came about... It's not just a single supervisor, though. banking union also comprises another two key elements, one of which is the ability to wind up institutions that get into trouble from this centralised authority, and also, most problematic of all, actually, a common deposit guarantee system which would pool all of the existing national deposit guarantee schemes around the eurozone.
0: Right. Well, Alex, that's the idea set out very clearly there. And there was this sense of urgency, this had to be done quickly, and yet it seems that it's now running into quicksand a bit. Well, what's happening?
2: Well, indeed, they, they picked supervision as the first and uh, they thought easier step to take because it doesn't require pooling any fiscal resources, it's just a, an issue of, of handing over control to a central body. And the trouble is that... Uh, After the the market pressure eased in the summer, everyone started having second thoughts about whether this was a good idea, how the system should be arranged, whether the ECB should be at the center of it, what the kind of governance arrangements should be. And some of the strongest concerns have been from Germany, which A, has a differentiated banking system where you have Deutsche and and the big uh, global players. But most of the banking system is very small savings banks that are very politically influential. And it is quite a big political step to really put those under a central supervisor. So uh, yesterday, we saw uh, a tetchy uh, exchange at, uh, among finance ministers. It was supposed to be the, the last meeting before the end of the year where a deal will be reached uh, and instead they've called another meeting next week and uh, will hope to find a way forward.
0: Are the Germans in a slightly paradoxical situation though because as I understand it I mean they were the ones who were upset about bailing Spain out and the bailouts generally. They're the ones who traditionally have called for deeper integration as a way of advancing Europe and yet when it comes to the supervision of these small German banks they seem to be the ones saying well that's going a bit too far.
2: Well, as one diplomat put it to me, they're very uh, positive about a banking union, but a banking union on German terms. And they very much want to have centralised supervision to watch the Cajas and other problematic banks around Europe. But when it comes to uh, ceding that control themselves, they're a bit more reluctant.
0: Patrick, I mean, and as you implied, this is meant to be the easy part. I mean, what happens when they get on to uh, trying to work out, well, can this central supervisory authority go in and close down a problematic bank which is presumably the the point of having this in supervision anyway well that's one of the points
1: the main point of having a single supervisor is to have single rules applied evenly across the region but as you say a crisis time reason. For having a single supervisor is so that they could have the power to wind up if necessary, and that policymakers still have quite a bit of hope for. I think people I was speaking to yesterday were suggesting that maybe this could be on the agenda for resolution um, as early as you know February March next year, and that maybe we'd get more easier progress with that whole idea than we would with certainly with the deposit scheme, which could take years and years and years to uh, to iron out.
0: Now we're obviously sitting here in London, financial capital of Europe, and that's another big issue, isn't it? And where does the city fit into a European banking supervision? Well, this is a
1: very vexed issue, because at the moment, we have a single European market, theoretically, at least in financial services, Mm -hmm. as as in other businesses, and the UK is as much a part of that as, as the Eurozone. If we have a single block of bank supervisors all under the ECB, the power of that Block increases, putting at risk, I guess, the influence of the UK. And there's a real battle for control or for power on the single umbrella group of regulators called the European Banking Authority, on which the ECB would sit with non Eurozone members like the UK's Bank of England and Swedish regulator and so on. And that is a pretty vexed uh, fight at the moment.
0: And Alex, of course, the British anxiety is only stoked by these comments. Uh, Christian Neuer of the ECB, a French banker, saying that in the long run he didn't believe that euro-denominated business should be done primarily in London. It should be done in the eurozone. Uh, Has that made it that much harder to reach agreement? And and technically, what kind of things should we be looking for in this battle about, you know, well, well, where would eurozone business be done?
2: Well, in terms of the negotiation, the British were thrilled that the French central bank government was so open about uh, his intentions because it really made their point and as as one of them said to me it proved uh, we're not just paranoid what they're looking for is some kind of safeguard in the voting procedures of the EBA that would balance out the uh, dominance of the ECB when they start voting as a as a block what they 're thinking of is having uh, a double majority system where you 'd at least have a majority of outsiders and insiders uh, going into any decision um, but really uh, this is a, a bit of shadow boxing um, and, and before the bigger uh, fight in the medium term because there's going to be a review of the eba in the next couple of years anyway the final decision on these kind of rules is taken by the commission and if the countries wanted to coordinate and start thinking alike and seeing problems from the same position they'd have a majority on um, legislation anyway so this is just one kind of manifestation of, of Britain's your anxiety about how they will coexist with a big banking union on the continent.
0: Patrick, I mean, if you were, say, seeing it from uh, the viewpoint of a uh, Christian Noy or somebody who thinks like that and th- says, OK, look, it's an anomaly for the euro to be traded largely offshore. It should be inside the eurozone. What kind of steps, practical steps, would you be taking to make sure that happened? Um, as we've suggested.
1: It is a a self-serving argument that he has been making. Uh, He would, of course, love Paris to become the key trading centre for for Eurozone trade. Um, The market, though, dictates, really, and the market is set up in such a way that the city... For the time being, is the place for for that
0: trading. Uh, it's you make rubber. it sound relatively invulnerable, but I mean, if you were it, a euro bureaucrat, who said, "Okay, I don't want to. Ch- I want this to change." Is it in your power to change it?
1: It depends on whether you think you can beat the market. And one key lesson of the financial crisis is that policymakers can't normally beat the market. So I think it would apply in this case as well. I'm not wanting to sound sanguine about the city's position, but I don't think you can artificially force trading volumes to go to another country, not least because the whole. Po- infrastructure of of trading. It's not just the banks themselves, but it's all the skills around that, other professions around that 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 are based here. Having said that, I know that some banks are making contingency plans for the eventuality that the UK does find itself sidelined to such an extent that European regulation at a Eurozone level is far more benign and that the UK even potentially leaves the EU. Those contingency plans involve, for example, the setting up or the revival of subsidiaries in Eurozone countries like Ireland, where people have operations that they may not use at the moment, but which could suddenly be reactivated in order to be trading operations for those eurozone activities so that maybe Dublin is actually a more likely centre uh, rather than Paris for any uh, early trading of this kind.
0: Alex uh, the other issue we touched on earlier is, is deposit insurance and I can see why that's a difficult one because it means essentially country, depositors in relatively well-off countries underwriting the shaky banks of other countries. Do you think it's, it's likely we'll get there in the
2: end? moment. In the early stages of the banking union discussion, it was definitely part of the debate. Um, The Commission were working up the kind of bare bones of a a proposal for a a European-wide deposit guarantee scheme. But the Germans have really uh, dug their heels in over this. And Mario Draghi as well recently said that um, this wasn't as important in the first stages of a banking union and really put it off the agenda. A lot of um, officials in Brussels think that you may be able to get to the same outcome without necessarily doing it through a, a, an explicit deposit guarantee scheme if you arrange the resolution mechanisms in a way that gives some preference to uh, depositors you may be able to uh, provide some protection anyway i think that's the best outcome they're hoping for at the moment
1: i think the key thing to learn from this is that the more ideas get kicked into the long grass the more watering down there is of this whole idea the less successful The whole concept of a banking union is going to be. We said at the beginning that the key reason for this being set up in the first place was because of the bailout of Spain. But another key driver of it was a realization that investors no longer trusted the integrity of a single market in in Europe or the eurozone in particular. And therefore, what we'd seen over the past year in particular was this so-called balkanization of European banking markets. In other words, a retrenchment back to national borders, which makes for a very inefficient and expensive way of running the system. To create a pan-Eurozone banking union was deemed a key way to reverse that dangerous trend. But if, as I say, if it's going to be watered down to such an extent that it doesn't work, then the markets are not going to be reassured and this whole crisis is going to drag on.
0: Yeah, so last question, Patrick. I mean, we described the situation you just did six months ago or whenever it was when people said, We have this euro crisis, banking union is the answer. Now, a few months on, the euro crisis has calmed down, but the banking union isn't going as fast as people hoped. Is it still an important priority? do you think? And do you think it will eventually get done in a way that really does help the single currency? As things stand today, I'm
1: relatively pessimistic that we will get a meaningful banking unit. I'm sure something will happen as a political imperative that it does. But whether it's effective enough to contribute to a lasting resolution of the crisis and uh, the real breakdown of the Eurozone ethos, at least as far as it relates to banking and financial markets, uh, is very much in doubt, I think.
0: Patrick Jenkin in London. Thank you very much. And thanks also to Alex Barker in Brussels. Until next week, goodbye.
1: For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Care to join us? Learn how at bellencat.com.